What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Accounting Flow podcast brought to you by Financial Sense. This podcast is dedicated to taking a deep dive into accounting firm workflow and processes. Each episode, we will spend 20 minutes interviewing actual accounting firm owners just like you, uncovering specific processes that firm owners and operators encounter on a daily basis and discuss ways to improve them. Let's go. Well, today we have Corey Knoyer here chatting with us about automation. Uh, super excited about this conversation, Corey. How are you? I'm hanging in there. Happy Monday. <laughs> Happy Monday, indeed. Um, we'd love to start uh, just by you giving a brief introduction of yourself and of Growth Lab. Sure. Uh, Corey Knoyer from Growth Lab. Um, we are kind of a unique mix of a firm. Um, you know, at our core, we are really an accounting FP&A tax practice. Um, and over the past few years, we've kind of focused a little bit more on a separate front on automation, uh, particularly working with other accounting firms and kind of helping them develop their own processes. Nice. And what size and stage uh, companies do you work with? Uh, about how many companies have you helped out on the automation front? On the automation front, we work kind of the targets. We like to work with other accounting firms. Um Anywhere from, we usually find the sweet spot between five and 50 employees. And that's a big range, but it depends on really if they have an internal tech team or not. So it's kind of how far we can help them with. Um, we've worked with many firms kind of across the board. I don't have to go into detail on like how we've helped them, but uh, it's really spent the whole gamut of onboarding through service delivery, HR, everything in between. Nice. That's good. And and one thing that you didn't mention that I'll humble brag for you is that I've had a pleasure of listening to you speak at a conference and you're getting more engaged on speaking on this topic of automation uh, at conferences. Do you have any coming up? Uh, is there anything that we should be aware of in terms of your content out there? Um, trying to always put out content because uh, I'm passionate about this topic. Um, conferences, I'll be at QuickBooks Connect, not speaking there. So love to meet up with people. Um, hoping to speak at scaling probably the next one in, uh, next, uh, June. I think so. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Well, let's, let's rally around the topic of automation and the process, um, that firm owners should be thinking about relative to starting to move into phase one of automation for their firm. Mm -hmm. So when you start talking to a firm, um, where do you start? What's the, what's a really good starting point for a firm as they start exploring this topic? It's tough. Um, I usually ask people, do you know what you want to automate? And it's usually a 50-50 answer. Uh, yes, help me with this one discrete pain point, right? The step A to step B. And that's, that takes one approach. But more commonly, I find people say, I don't know. Help me figure it out. I just know that automation and AI and ChatGPT kind of seems to be the big like trend, right? Um, I know it's out there and I know it could be valuable. So help me figure it out. Um, and my response to that is like, let's process map. Um, and process mapping is like a big topic. I don't feel like it's talked about enough um, mm. because the common response from people is I know what my process is, right? It's like, I, I know Joe picks up here, passes it to Sally and, enters data here. And that's great, but it, I believe that it's not until you can truly map everything visually 
in terms of who touches it, when do they touch it, why do they touch it, what apps. It's not until you can get that documented that you should actually even begin automating anything to start with. Um, so that's usually where I start with firms. Oh, that's it's really interesting because to your point, everybody's so fixated on chat GPT and AI and trying to figure out how to automate things right out the gates. And it's such a great suggestion to focus on process mapping first, because I know that firm owners and, and most business owners in general just hate documentation of processes. And so when you're starting to think about process mapping for an accounting firm, do you, do you start there with... Um, like the sales process? Mm. Like, do you start at, at kind of inception and then work your way through a client life cycle? Or like, how do you actually accomplish going about process mapping? That's a great question. Um, I like to start with the sales to onboarding phase. And I find that um, during that phase, it's, there's so many apps that are kind of intertwined in your workflow between the sales apps, the CRM, the, you know, the deal management, the it kind of gets passed to the service team with like, their general ledger, their workflow management system, right? Um, so there's a lot of apps used, and that's usually the most critical point on a with a client. Like, if you can't get your client onboarding solid and they have a bad, you know, client experience, that kind of sets the stage. And so, not only does this help the firm internally by focusing there, um, but it helps set client expectations and you know increase retention. So I like to start there and then go past that. Okay, so from there, you know, say we're using HubSpot, we've got external data coming in, we've got our leads data, we're then moving into a discovery process, your traditional sales process, um, contract signing, billing, client onboarding, do you then kind of naturally go through the client lifecycle from contract signed to onboarding to ongoing service? Usually, yeah. Starting with the onboarding, usually I find working with the CRM and proposal management, billing, and then the workflow management tools. Those are kind of like the that trifecta, so to say, um, because everything builds off of that, right? Once you get into the workflow sure. management system, then it kind of just it expands. Um, so if you have, you know, it's the common the common saying, like bad data in, bad data out, right? And so if you have bad data going into your workflow management system, automation is not going to just be a silver bullet. Yeah. And what's interesting is that within each of those systems, these days you have so many tools that are starting to reinvent themselves like HubSpot AI or fill in the blank AI automation. So I can go into HubSpot and say, hey, automate this thing for me. How is that different than taking this approach of process mapping everything out and then applying a broader approach to the entire process? Great question. Um, what we try and do with automation and how we want to approach it is not from a siloed lens, right? Because that's kind of like why we why we even got into automation, right? Is, is data is in one app, whether it's a CRM, billing, QuickBooks, like Zero, the workflow management, whatever it is, it, it tends to be siloed and it usually takes an individual that is usually like pushing that data along the workflow. Um, so these tools embedded like are great for the workflow within them, but it's when you want to expand past that. So for example, HubSpot with their like AI, right? It's like, it could be great for generating documents or like helping the workflow in the sales process, but then you still have to pass that baton from sales process to billing and invoicing or proposals and then pass that process from that. And 
um, that opens up a whole new can of worms. So I think they're great tools. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. not in silos. Yeah, because when you look at it in a silo, one automation that you have early in the process could ripple affect something way down the line that you may not have a visibility into until you get there and you're like, shoot, that automation really kind of messed me up because now I've got a different data set at a different point in time in the client lifecycle. Yeah, no, and that's exactly why your process map is because if you build an automation to solve a pain point in the first interaction with a lead, and that automation messes something up on the last um, the last uh, touch point with the lead. Like, what's the point of the automation, right? <laughs> yeah, then you're you're causing more work for yeah. yourself at the end of the day. Uh, so, in the process mapping, um, you, you mentioned a, a variety of apps uh, that that companies may have. You you mentioned individuals that are are moving data forward throughout a process. What are the other key factors in process mapping that somebody should be aware of if they're putting pen to paper on process mapping? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to come full circle to your question for a second, because I like to approach automation from more of like a human in the loop style. So I'm not a believer in the current state of just using automation to replace people or to automate your entire firm and like sit back. Like, I think there's a place for that, but that's not my approach with it. It's very much workflow focused. And so... I bring that up because I think what an important piece of that mapping and kind of some of these like components you want to think of are also what's the logic behind it? Like, does the, does your workflow follow a standardized logic, whether that's, you know, if, if this, then that, or it always follows this data set, or it always comes in this format, right? You need that logic or you need that standardization in your process because otherwise the automation is going to have so many variables that it's not even worth doing in the first place. That's interesting. And so in order to process map effectively, you're trying to advise to coach firm owners on let's understand like what the inputs are. Let's granularly define things uh, because firm owners are like, oh, but this exception happens and I let clients do this to me. And then I oftentimes allow for that. So you're trying to drill them down into specificity around a process. So then they can start to process map more effectively for automation. Yeah. And it's okay to have, you know, nuances to that. Obviously it's going to happen. You can't avoid that. Um, But if you can't document them and it's kind of just off Roman's whim, it's you know no automation whether I do it or someone else does it. It's not gonna it's not gonna be successful in the long run. Gosh, uh, I feel like you're preaching directly at me right now. <laughs> where you know I I, li- I like the client service aspect. I like kind of going above and beyond, and I go outside of the normal process mm-hmm. uh, to serve clients. And ultimately, I kind of shoot myself in the foot because of that. But um, it's it's a good point to hone in on those things and then build a process and a map around that. So then you can start to focus on automation. So, all right, we've got process mapping kind of articulated in the sense that that's a really good first step. Mm -hmm. Now, once we have that process map written out from client lifecycle beginning to end, how do you start to triage? What is the most important place to start from an automation standpoint? I can answer this 20 ways. Um, It depends it depends who's building the automation. And I don't just say that from my angle. Um, you know, automation is 
a fun thing for people, right? Like it, it provides an outlet for creativity in, in an accounting space, which is traditionally not as creative, right? Um, and so if you're doing it because you enjoy the aspect of like trying to build an automation, right? And you're going to spend your time either way experimenting, start with like the lowest hanging fruit that's going to open up as much time as possible, right? It may not be the most impactful to the client life cycle, but if it's something that you are going to spend the time in either way experimenting with, free up your time first, right? Because you're going to free up your time and you're going to be able to focus on more things. Um, if you're having someone else do it, then I usually say the opposite, like focus on what's going to impact the client life cycle the most, what's going to create retention, what's going to create uh, capacity openings for your onboarding or service team, um, focused on what's going to impact down the line the most. Um, so there's like really two routes um, and it, it depends, unfortunately. Yeah, no, that that's good though, because I think you can start to, to orient firm owners around the different paths that they could take, where on one side, on the client experience, client retention side, you're really talking about revenue and net revenue retention mm -hmm. and and that is an impactful metric for firm growth whereas if i'm a, a firm runner that you know i'm okay where i'm at i just want to free up my time so i can you know be my kid's soccer coach like i want to free up those re repetitive tasks and i'm totally fine with taking the approach of let's get my time freed up and not worry about as much of the revenue piece of it yeah that's a, um, that's super interesting yeah I, i'm glad you brought that up because I think firm owners should ask themselves, why are they automating? And that like seems so silly of a question, but I don't think it is because like you said, like, do you enjoy just technology and experimentation and stuff? Like that's cool. Like do it. Right. But know that going into it, because if you're just going into it just to automate without understanding why you're doing it, you're, I, I don't feel like you will get the biggest impact out of any automation. It, it's an interesting question because I would pose that question to myself and I would probably say, well, I want to free up my time. I want to increase revenue. I want better retention, like all of the above, mm -hmm. please. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and I would think most founders would probably fall un under that bucket. Um, but I think it is a really good introspective question to ask. It's like, what, what is the why mm -hmm. behind this? And do you have those conversations with, with clients that you guys bring on board? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's usually one of the first questions. What are you trying to accomplish out of this? Because I don't believe when you, when you process map, you usually uncover multiple areas that you can automate. Right. And I don't believe that you should automate all of them at once because it usually impacts not only yourself, but your team. Right. And if on one day you flip a switch and their whole, their whole process has changed, it doesn't matter that it's automated. It's not going to be successful if the team doesn't adopt the new process. And so I usually like to tell people to kind of chunk it into phases. Um, and so that those phasings come into play based on what do you want out of this? Are you trying to free capacity? Are you trying to uh, get clients to the pipeline quicker? Or are you trying to increase your billable rates? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So we've got process mapping as a first step and then um, prioritizing and understanding the why behind, uh, you know, why you want to move into this step of automation. Uh, from there, you know, if a firm owner is, is DIYing their approach to automation, they've gone through these steps, you know, and they, they've identified, all right, I want, to, I want to start with this one specific simple task um, to free up my time where do I go to start understanding how I can, I can do that? And we can kind of 
talk about a scenario that you guys have encountered in that space too. If it's a DIY, um, I usually say look for something like uh, like a Zapier or something like that. And there's plenty of you know resources out there for Zapier. We personally, when we build things, we don't use Zapier. Um, hmm. I'm happy to go into that because I think that's a valuable conversation. But um, if it's more of a DIY and kind of getting started and feeling comfortable with automations, I do recommend Zapier because it's there's so much resources out there that you know you can you can set up an automation in five ten minutes very easily. Um, and I think I think when firm owners begin to do that, and even if they experiment by themselves, I usually find their eyes just like wide open. Right? They realize the potential, and then that opens the doors to now what else? It's amazing what open APIs have done and tools like Zapier to where, you know, you can just select what systems you have and you want to connect. And then there's a series of tasks that are already kind of baked into the platform that you can say, I want to zap this data over to this system. And boom, you've automatically reduced that one step from manually typing information to now it's in your new system. So it's a great starting point. In what cases would you not advise a tool like Zapier to start i would not advise it if if there's too much logic involved with it you know if it's like if you have four different routes that someone could take and there's filtering involved and things you can definitely do it in those tools those diy tools but it may become too overkill to actually manage down the line and if you're spending your same amount of time to manage this as you are to just do it once again why are you automating right um, yeah. so yeah, based on the complexity, unfortunately. Well, it's the same, it's the same way that we advise clients on the accounting yeah. and financial advisory side of things, right? It's like, you can manage your own bookkeeping, you can manage your own accounting and financial reporting, but you've reached a point of complexity in which it merits an outside uh-huh. service or professionals implementing this for you. Um, and, and there's certainly those, those inflection points uh, at companies and their complexity to do that. And so with the, with the fir- if the first step of Zapier is um, maybe too simple, too too easy in a way, you know, you need more complexity, is the next step to go find a provider to help with that type of support? Um, yes, usually. Um, there's actually something, all, like another approach too that I suggest with people uh, if they're doing the DIY method is also like, take a look at which ones of your apps have native integrations already. Mm-hmm. And this is an interesting one that we come into a lot. Um, and I'll use a random example with um, like Ignition with, uh, we use Carbon internally. Um, there's a native integration there, but sometimes there's some logic that you want to build in that the native integration doesn't have. So for example, on our case, we've built this a few, many times. Um, you know, If an engagement agreement is signed, create this, work item, this workflow, right? Well, what if it's just a pricing adjustment and Hmm. it's the same workflow, just repriced, rescoped? We don't want to duplicate that work item to keep going, right? So that's where maybe you do want to do like a Zapier integration, more custom, even though they have native available. Um, So that opens a whole new floodgate, right? Yeah, that's such a good recommendation because many of the systems that accountants use today do have those native integrations. And it's just a matter of navigating down to see what apps you can connect to. Yeah. 
you know, all the gustos of the world, the ignitions, the carbons, the financial sense, like they, they all have these native integrations. And so if you don't have to go spend more time and money to go build something out in Zapier, start there. That's such a good, a good tip. Um, Okay. So we've gone through kind of the DIY approach, the process mapping. Um, What types of conversations do you have with clients who have tried to do it themselves and are just like, gosh, I am fed up with this. I've tried my best. I don't get it. Uh, I don't know where to go from here. Like, how do you, how do you talk to those, those clients and help them unwind their own um, uh, challenges? What I usually find is they come to me once they've built it, it's been successful and they've deployed it ironically. And then they realize it breaks and it now what, right? Um, You think of automation and technology and we've been fortunate to have these tools that kind of SaaS that just kind of takes care of itself, right? They have bugs, but they fix it. When you're building your own DIY automations, these tools are very easy and it's a, it's amazing, but it's going to break. And it doesn't matter if you have, you know, uh, someone from Google developing it for you. It's, it's going to break. It's natural. Um, and that's usually where I find them kind of throwing up the white flag and saying, I need help. Um, and that's kind of where we've historically come in is helping them to manage it and monitor it and maintain it after the fact. Got it. So it's not only in the initial setup, uh, and the the importance of getting that done correctly. It's in the ongoing support and maintenance of that. Because yeah. that's one thing that I always forget is like once it's set up, you still have to monitor. It's not just set it and forget it type thing. And so what types of, of maintenance uh, items, ongoing uh, support should somebody be thinking about, whether they've done it themselves or they've partnered with a team like Growth Lab to support them in that? I think this comes back full, this like, it's full circle is, you know, what, what do you focus on automating, right? Um, if you're doing it yourself, especially like where do, where do you prioritize? And I kind of answered you with, you know, depends what you want out of it, right? Maybe another lens to look at this through is um, in a very simplified manner, though, is how many apps are you connecting? Um, and it seems mm-hmm. so like linear and simple, but it's also the more apps, the more prone to issues, just, you know, breaking the API changes. It's natural, right? Um, some things to think about are, are how many apps do you have connected? just more prone to errors. Um, how much data is passing through? Because if it does break on you and you are doing, say, daily journal entries or daily like entries of transactions, right? If it breaks, you could be missing a lot of data over that time. Um, so it's, it's, it's the sheer amount of connections and, trans- uh, connections and data that flows through um, that people should be thinking about where they may want someone else to support them. Yeah, I feel like that's one thing that the fail safes, the checks and balances on DIY automation that are probably more difficult to achieve. Uh-huh. It's it may be Zapier's made it easy in a lot of ways to create some degree of automation and, and maybe they'll send you a notification if it breaks. But ultimately, to be able to stay on top of that and find that email in your inbox that says, hey, this this broke and your client's no longer receiving X, Y and Z data to stay on top of that is a lot more than just creating an automation and letting it run. And sometimes the maintenance takes twice as long as the build because then you're, you're going back to, you know, finding what was the error, what, what, what data came in, what didn't so that I don't have duplicates. Right. Um, 
and it comes back full circle to why are you automating in the first place, right? Yeah. So what I've gathered from this is that you really have to know your reason uh, behind pushing into automation and not just following the whims of what you see on social media as to why you need to automate, but realistically identifying how and why you want to be moving into this arena and have purpose behind it. Yeah. Yeah. I am supportive of, you know, experimentation. Like I love experimentation, right? So I'm very supportive of that. Um, I think we just have to all be comfortable with why are we experimenting, um, which will help us all, you know, be better at what we do, right? Yeah. It is a lot of fun to experiment. It is, yeah. uh, I listened to one of Chad Davis's sessions at, at scaling or uh, bridging the gap. Mm. And um, it just was so motivating and encouraging. Like this is possible to go in yeah. and build something with chat GPT on Google app script. And now I recognize fully that the amount of time that I spent on building something very simple was far more time than I need to be spending on that, but it's fun. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Um, but also like, I need to self-recognize when it's time to bring in somebody that does this day in, day out, because ultimately if it comes back to time, then I need to be aware of how my time is being spent. Like every other firm runner out there. I think it's, you, you made a great point. Like it's the same thing with uh, recommendations for accounting to businesses, right? If, if they just started their business yesterday, have no transactions, have nothing going on, they're probably not a good fit for many firms, right? It's helping them do it themselves um, is very healthy because then then they begin to value automation or bookkeeping before they even get up to yeah. that. And, and the other thing too that I was thinking about is it's not only automation, but when you go back to process map, that is certainly something that can help increase your your exit potential, your valuation okay. potential, if you ever are looking to get out of your current business. And so for that as a number one first recommendation to get started in this, if you can just start there, that will add a tremendous amount of value today for your team and tomorrow for a potential exit. Uh, on top of that, the exit potential plus uh, team retention, team training, right? Uh, you know, we obviously have a, a challenge across many industries, but accounting with finding people. Um, and if we can have documentation and standard processes for these people, you know, new team members, um, it's going to make your life a lot easier. Forget automation to start with, right? Just there. Yeah, that's great. And I do know that you personally and, and the Growth Lab AppStream team uh, more broadly have a ton of content out there related to uh, specific apps, to automations you've built, uh, different things happening on the marketing front. So if somebody's looking to learn more about what you guys do, looking to find you, uh, how they go about finding y'all? Um, growthlabfinancial.com. And at the top, there's a uh, automation section. Um, so check us out there. That's where you'll find all the content or uh, on LinkedIn. Feel free to reach out. Perfect. Sounds good. Well, I, I learned a lot and I'm going to be uh, digging into my process map uh, shortly after this. Uh, so really appreciate you coming on to Accounting Flow today. Cool. Thanks, Roman. See you, Corey. For listening in today, if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to share and write a review. This is going to help other firm owners just like you find our podcast and get insights into how to grow their firm. Stay tuned.